Well, good morning. It's great to see everyone today, and it's a privilege again to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, today, I would like to speak to you about God's justice. Continuing on the theme of end times, um, this is actually going to be my final message in this series of Fundamentals of the Faith. And uh, I've been on this now for just over two years. And I began this series talking about the character of God. And I'm going to finish this series talking about the character of God. So today, the subject is God's justice. And I'm going to share with you from the scriptures consideration of three final judgments. Uh, you know, we've spoken a lot about God's forgiveness and how much God is a God of mercy. The Bible says He's rich in mercy. We've spoken a lot about His grace and how, how long-suffering God is toward mankind. He, he's not willing that any should perish. His desire is that all would come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And we've spoken a lot about the character of God as a loving, merciful God. But today, I want to remind you that the Bible makes it very clear that in the last day, men will stand before God. And God will judge the world in righteousness. It is thrilling to my soul, and those of us that are believers today can worship God, that we will never be brought into judgment, and that we have peace for, for, with God, and are, we are free from condemnation, as we sang today. And so, as I speak about the justice of God, let's start by looking at John chapter 5. Now, I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, but I've got the ESV up here. If you want to follow along, it's on the slide. We're going to read John chapter 5, starting at verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath but said also that God was his father. We're going to come back to that verse, but I want to point out that in the original language, he's not just saying that God is his father in general as God is our father. He is saying here, God is my own father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. And whatsoever things he doeth, these also doeth the Son in the same manner. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth all things unto him, that he himself doeth, and that he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead... And giveth life unto them, even so the Son giveth life 
to whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father who hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Those are likely one of the strongest words that give a believer comfort that he will never be brought into condemnation for his own sin. Because everyone who believes, it says right here, will not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Look at verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Verse 27 is key. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man which by the way is a term of deity marvel not at this for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice notice in verse 29 there are two resurrections and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation, the resurrection of judgment. Now, in keeping with those two resurrections, I want to read to you Revelation chapter 20. So if you go to Revelation chapter 20, we're going to read again about these two resurrections. Revelation 20 and verse 4 and I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So today I want to speak to you about two resurrections and three judgments. You know, it's amazing to me as we go out into the streets in our city and, and share the gospel. It's amazing to me how people with apparently no fear of God 
will, will take a gospel track like they did on Friday night and rip it up and curse God and throw it to the ground and will blaspheme the name of God. Because if people only knew what the word of God says will happen in the last day, men would fear God. I wanna share with you today what the Bible says about two resurrections and three final judgments. But just to set the stage, what we get in John chapter five is really the credentials of the Son of God, of who he is and how and why. God has given him power, authority, to execute judgment. The Bible says that the Father will judge no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. And what we read in John chapter 5 is that Jesus Christ has equality with the Father. In verse 18, what Jesus said, if you look at the original language, it says, God is his own Father. In other words, one in the same. Jesus and the Father are one in the same. The Pharisees knew exactly what he was saying. And it irritated them so much that they wanted to kill him. They literally wanted to stone him to death because of what he said. He was claiming equality with the Father. In verse 19, he says that he acts in unity with the Father. Unity with the Godhead, that is the Son. And so what does the Father do? He raises the dead. The Father raises the dead. And he is given unto the Son that he can raise the dead as well. The Father giveth life, and he's given unto the Son that he will give life to, to whom he will. And in verse 27, it says that he has given him authority to execute judgment. So the next time that you hear somebody take the name of Jesus in vain, blaspheme his holy name, use that name as a swear word, I want you to think about this. In the last day, it is the eternal Son of God that will judge men. And every man that has ever lived will stand before him. And in that day, the Bible says that mouths will be stopped and people will bow the knee and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. I'd like to make three points clear today. First point is that Jesus has authority and he will execute judgment in the last day. Secondly, I'd like us all to be clear from the scriptures that men have accountability. Men are accountable, and when I say men, I mean men, women, boys, girls, everyone that has ever lived has an accountability to God. Philippians 2 says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And thirdly, I, I want to make this point so clear, so clear, that every believer 
that has believed what the word of God says and placed their personal faith in Jesus Christ has exemption from all judgment. Bible makes that so clear. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. We read in John 5 and 24 probably some of the strongest words of comfort that a believer could ever have. That those who have heard the word and believed God will not come into judgment but are passed from death unto life. Two resurrections and three judgments. So in John chapter 5 and verse 29, we read that there is a day coming when all that are in the graves will hear his voice. Jesus Christ will call, and all that are dead and in the graves will hear his voice. But there's going to be two resurrections. Resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto judgment. And, you know, people talk a lot about religion or denomination or, well, that's what my belief is. Could I just say this? It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what your opinions are, what your belief is, what denomination you go to. It doesn't matter what I believe or what anybody else here believes. It's the Word of God. And it is Jesus Christ who has authority and he will judge the world in righteousness. And so regardless of what country you come from, what your ethnic background is, your religion, your culture, all over the entire world, on the day that Jesus returns, everyone who has believed in him will hear his voice. And their graves will be opened and they will be raised. And that's what the Bible teaches. The first resurrection... So my first question is, when will it happen? I would like to tell you from the Bible that the first resurrection will happen at the rapture of the church. How do we know that? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, you can read it for yourself. This is what it says. It says, the Lord himself. Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and a trumpet of God will sound. And those who are dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who have the privilege of being alive and remaining, and I got to hope and believe that I'm one of them. Wherever you are that day, you're going to be changed Everything is going to stop on that day. Doesn't matter if you're driving in a car, flying on a plane, sleeping in your bed. On the day that Jesus comes, the entire world will know. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what CNN says the day after the rapture? Literally millions of people have disappeared from this world. You walk into the graveyards, graves are opened. Bodies that have been there for years will be raised. That's what the Bible says. The hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. 
and they will be raised. The first resurrection will happen at the rapture of the church. You could read about it in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For this mortal will put on immortality. And this corruption, this body of flesh that has gone to corruption will be raised in a moment and it will put on immortality. And every believer who has died in Christ, I'm going to stress that, who has died believing in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many years or centuries they've been there, the components of that body will instantly come together and they will be raised. And those who are alive and are believers in Jesus Christ will be snatched up and we will meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the first resurrection. It will happen at the rapture of the church. So who's going to take part in this? Let me stop and tell you that this is an essential question for your life. Your life. Every one of you. Who is going to take part in the first resurrection? Well, the Bible says who's going to take part in it. John 5 and verse 29. The righteous. Those who have done righteousness will take part in the resurrection to life. Now let me clarify something. Righteousness here is not works-based salvation. The Bible does not teach that. And if we could be totally clear and very honest and openly blunt, you got no righteousness. And I got no righteousness. Because we are all sinners. And the Bible says there is none that doeth good, not even one. Every one of us have sinned against God. We have fallen short of God's standard. In ourselves, we have no righteousness. So, why does it say those that have done good, the righteous? Because the Bible teaches that righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And that the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get God's righteousness. It comes as a gift. How do I know that? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus chapter 3. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I love what it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. He that worketh not, but believeth on God, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let me take you back to John 5 and 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life 
and will not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. You see, in the economy of God, faith is essential. It is essential. We are all sinners. We have all accumulated a debt of sin that we could never pay. But when you denounce your sin, forsake that lifestyle that you know is not pleasing to God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and put your faith in Him, you get God's righteousness. You are clothed in the garments of salvation. You are seen in Christ. I don't know if you remember a long, long time ago, I talked about two federal heads. You're either in Adam or in Christ. And everyone who believes in Christ is righteous in the sight of God. And that righteousness comes by faith, believing. So let me take you to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 15, I think it is. It says this. If we believe in Jesus, who God raised from the dead, them also who sleep in Jesus will God take with him. Let me tell you what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. Here is the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And every person who believes in Jesus gets God's righteousness. And they are seen in the eyes of God as no longer a sinner, but in Christ. No longer exposed to God in their sin, but they are sheltered by the blood of Christ, and they are in Christ, and they are righteous. And as a result of that new nature, there is a characteristic of living a life of showing righteous character. And so it says that those who have done good unto the resurrection of life. So let me stop and ask you again. Are you going to take part in the first resurrection? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in him? Are you sheltered in the blood? Are you in Christ? Because if you are, your future is so bright. You have nothing to be concerned about. But I want to tell you that if you are not in Christ today, and if you are exposed to the wrath of God because of your own sin, you're in danger. Who will take part in the first resurrection? The righteous that have died in Christ. What's the purpose of this resurrection? You know, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that those of us who have Born the image of the earthy. You know what that means? It means we recognize what it's like to have flesh. We're just like Adam. We sin. We make mistakes. We fail. We, we deny the Lord. And sometimes, like we, we heard this morning, there, there's weaknesses in all of us. But those who have born the image of the earthy will bear the image of the heavenly. This will be amazing. They will put on immortality. They will never die. Never. John 11 and 25. 
I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Christ gives us immortality by faith. And the moment that we believe in Christ, we are guaranteed to be raised incorruptible. We will inherit the kingdom that was prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25. We will rest from our labors and we will worship God. Revelation 14 and 13 says about those who die in the Lord. They believed in Jesus Christ. They die in the Lord. They rest from their labors. And they will be able to worship God forever. Will you take part in the first resurrection? I hope so. I hope that every single one of us will experience that first resurrection and know what it is to be with God and with Christ forever. You know, David said in Psalm 16, he said, Lord, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Folks, this world will never satisfy your soul. Never. It's empty. It doesn't matter what you attain in this life. There's going to be labor. There's going to be sorrow. But one day, one day, those who have believed in Jesus Christ will rest from their labors. They'll have peace. They'll have joy. They'll enjoy the pleasures of God forever. In thy presence is fullness of joy forever. But the second resurrection, resurrection to judgment, when will that happen? Well, we read in Revelation chapter 20 that the rest of the dead lived not for a thousand years. A thousand years. So if you die and you've never believed in Jesus, at the first resurrection, your grave's not even going to be stirred. It's going to sit there for a thousand years. And if you die, I believe this is what the Bible teaches. If you die outside of Christ and die in your sins, your soul will go to hell. And it will be there for a thousand years, at least. Until that second resurrection, when the souls of those that have died outside of Christ will come out of hell and will be raised to stand before God, to be judged at the great white throne. So the second resurrection is a resurrection unto judgment. John 5 and verse 29, them that have done evil, they will take part in that. Revelation 20 and verse 11 describes what that great white throne judgment will be like. John 8 and verse 21 is a key verse. It says this, Jesus said, If you do not believe that I am, which is Jehovah, a, a term of deity, you will die in your sins. And where I am, you cannot come. So these people that have died outside of Christ will die in their sins, and they will be awaiting the second resurrection to be judged by God. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 
has horrific words. It says, Whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What's the purpose of this resurrection? I have to tell you that it is divine justice. You know, and God is not only a God of love and of mercy and of grace and of long-suffering patience and kindness. He is. His character demands that justice must be satisfied. And those who die outside of Christ will be subject to this horrific judgment. So in Matthew chapter 25, we read about another judgment. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read about another judgment. And I just want to differentiate between these. So in Matthew 25, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate the people one from another as shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say unto those on his right, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The last verse of that chapter says, And those who are the goats that have not experienced salvation, it says that they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to read with you 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it be good or evil. And in reference to the judgment seat of Christ, we get Romans 14, 10 to 12 again, where it says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us will give account of himself to God. So these are the three judgments that are final judgments that are written in the word of God. Number one is the bema, that is the judgment seat of Christ. Number two is the judgment of the living nations, which is in Matthew 25. And then the third and final judgment will be the great white throne judgment, which is in Revelation chapter 20. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. And I want to make this clear. You know, I didn't realize this until I really got into this study to prepare for this. But the word that is translated in the New Testament for judgment really has about several different meanings in the original. And I want to make this difference. A believer will never be brought into judgment or punishment for sin. Never. The Bible makes that very, very clear. So when you read of the judgment seat of Christ, it's a little bit misleading because we think of this, okay, we're going to be judged for our sin. No, I don't think so. 
I believe that the Bible teaches that the judgment seat of Christ is a righteous assessment for faithfulness to Christ. And a believer will never be brought into judgment because John 5 and 24 says that. And so when you look at these two different words, let me give you a couple of examples. In John 3 and 17, it says, God sent not his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So that judgment is condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. The world was already condemned by their sin. He came to save the world. Verse 18 says, He that believes on the Son is not judged, not condemned. But he that believes not is judged, condemned already. When you get to Romans 8 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judgment for sin. And that word is literally no punishment for sin. There will be no punishment for sin to those who have placed their faith in Christ. Why? Because Christ bore our punishment on the cross. He took our place. He died for our sin. And when we believe in him, we are passed from this condemnation of death unto life. And so we are raised to the resurrection of life. We have new life in Christ. We are sheltered from that judgment. So when you read of the judgment seat of Christ, the word is bima. That's the word in the Greek. And really what it means is it's a podium. That's literally what it means. It was the podium that they had for the Greek games. You remember when you watched the Olympics? You get the podium and you get first place, second place, third place, and you have recognition and you have rewards for faithfulness and service for God. So the judgment seat of Christ is not judgment. It is a righteous assessment of faithful service to Christ. The believer will never come into judgment. I think that that needs to be very, very clear. There is no judgment for a believer because judgment has passed on Christ. So who will take part in this? All believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will be at the judgment seat of Christ, the bema. And we will be rewarded for our faithfulness to Christ. What's the purpose? It's not a judgment. It's a righteous assessment of your faithfulness to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says that you will receive of the things done in the body. There will be crowns and there will be rewards. You remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished my course. And henceforth for me there is laid up a crown of righteousness, not to me only, but unto all them who love his appearing. James says, blessed is the one who is tried in temptation. When he comes forth, he'll be crowned. There will be recognition in that day for faithfulness to Christ. And so all your service that you do for God today, you know, maybe even in your building when you're sharing the gospel or taking out food and taking care of people and, and using that to, to communicate the gospel to people. Or when you share the word or when you take care of the saints of God, you are going to be rewarded for that faithfulness of Christ in a coming day at the judgment seat of Christ. So that's the first judgment. Here's the second judgment. What's called judgment of the living nations. 
Now, in Matthew chapter 25, the Lord is going to judge the living. In Revelation chapter 20, he's going to judge the dead. And there's a really interesting verse in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Paul said to Timothy, he's dying, he's going to be killed. He says, remember this, preach the word. Why? Because the day is coming when Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead. I never noticed that before. Why does it say that he will judge the living and the dead? In Revelation uh, 20, it says the dead, small and great, will stand before God. But in Matthew 25, it says the living. So here's what's going to happen. When Jesus Christ comes back to set up his kingdom, okay, the rapture happens, he's in heaven, the judgment seat of Christ, the bema, rewards for faithfulness happens, and then after the tribulation, the saints of God and the angels come out of heaven, and Christ comes back to earth, and he comes to set up his kingdom. And in that day, Matthew 25 says, will be gathered unto him all the living nations. Why does it say that? A third of the world's population by this time will be totally destroyed. There's going to be horrific things that will happen in those seven years. And if you're actually living, it's going to be a smaller part of the population. But the living in that day are going to be gathered unto the Lord and they will be judged. And I take it what will happen is in Matthew 24 and verse 14, it says, during the tribulation, the gospel of the kingdom will go to the entire world and everyone will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. The gospel will be preached in the tribulation. Nation will be born in a day. Jews that have believed in Jesus Christ will spread that word throughout the entire world. And everyone who believes it will be counted as sheep. And those who do not believe it, that, that hated Israel, that hated the elect of God, that wouldn't receive the gospel of the kingdom, they will be judged. And they will be separated. And you're going to have the goats, and you're going to have the sheep. And he's going to say to those that believed and received the message of the kingdom, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he's going to say to those in that day, no different than he's going to say to people in this day, that had their opportunity and did not receive the gospel, he says, you didn't receive them, you didn't receive me. When we go out and share the gospel, we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not us. We are nothing. It's not our church. It's not our religion. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone who doesn't receive it doesn't receive Christ. This is very important. Because in that day, people will be judged if they have received the gospel and received Christ or if they have rejected it. And at the end of that chapter, you have a very, very sad verse, verse 46. It says, these shall go away into everlasting punishment prepared for the devil and the angel. I really think what's going to happen is that those people that are there living before God are going to go straight into hell. They're not going to stand at the great white throne. Those are the living that will be judged by Jesus Christ the judge of all the earth, and he has authority to execute judgment. 
So if you didn't believe in him in, in that day, you will go directly into eternal punishment. That's what the Bible says. But the great white throne. You know, this is a very serious part of the word of God because the Bible says that all they that have died live their life on earth and have died. They will stand before God. I take it that this goes back to the very, very, very beginning. Right back to the very beginning of our history. Every person that has died and has not had faith in Jesus Christ, not believed God, they will be raised and their soul will come out of hell, be reunited with their body in some kind of miraculous form, and they will stand before God. Where will this take place? You ever think about that? It says, heaven and earth have fled away. I take it that this is going to take place somewhere in space. You're going to be standing there with nothing below you. In the very immediate presence of God. Reunited with your body that just came from your soul out of hell and you're going to be standing before God. And the books will be opened. And another book will be opened. And the dead will be judged out of the things written in the book. Don't ever disregard the book, the word of God. Because Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. And Jesus said, it is my words that will judge men in the last day. And so you get people today that will say, oh yeah, I can't wait to stand before God. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell him, no, you're not going to do anything of the sort. You are going to stand in holy terror and every mouth will be stopped. And, and great men, you know, there's lots of people that are insignificant, but there's great men. There's movie stars, Hollywood actors, superstars, people that are, you know, I don't know, Wayne Gretzky. You, you're going to think about people that are like horrific people in, the, in history, like Adolf Hitler, it, it, great men, Stalin. Every man that has rejected Jesus Christ and died in their sins is going to stand before God. And mouths are going to be stopped. And the book is going to be opened. And men will be judged out of the things that are written in the book. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 says this. He has appointed a day. God now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And he's given assurance unto the entire world in that he raised him from the dead. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it is horrific words. It says to these Thessalonians that were troubled and persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ, God says, don't be troubled because there is coming a day when God himself, the Lord Jesus, will come out of heaven down to this earth to be glorified in his saints and to be with his holy angels. And it says he will take vengeance. That's what it says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, about verse 8, 9, 10. He will take vengeance on them that know not God 
and have obeyed not the gospel. And in that day, it will be a horrific day. Folks, God is almighty. God is just. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, as I wrap up this message today, I, I thought of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 26. There's two verses there that says it's a conclusion of the entire plan of God for the ages. And it says this, one day everything will be subdued and every kingdom and everything that will today maybe rise up against God will be subject to God and will all be under his feet and God will be all in all. Do you know what's so awesome? Is if today you believe in Jesus Christ, you are on the side that has already won. We don't have to wait and read, you know, the end of the book. We already know the last chapter. We don't have to wait and see, well, you know, what happens in the very end. God has told us what has happened. In that day, everyone who has believed in Jesus will enjoy the peace of God for the ages of eternity to come and will worship God. I think it's really important that each one of us examine our own hearts today. Will I be part of the first resurrection? or I'll, where I'll be part of the second resurrection? Will I stand before the Lord Jesus and worship him for all that he has done for me? Or will I bow the knee and be ushered out into eternal punishment? The stakes are very high, and yet God has provided grace and mercy for all, that all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved by his grace and will never come into condemnation. Let's give thanks. Father, we bow today with thanksgiving for the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have given your son to come down into this world to humble himself and to die upon a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. And we thank you, Lord, that you have raised him from the dead and given him a name that's above every name. And one day at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow and everyone will confess that he is Lord. We thank you, Lord, for saving us and blessing us. And I just pray that you would Help each one of us to be faithful to you. And those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus, that we would take this time to witness for Christ and be faithful to God until our last day. And we look forward to that day when we will sing unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Until that day, keep us faithful, we pray. And we ask you to part us today with your blessing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.